As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. And they said over his head in his accusation, written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him, and with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Latma, Sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let him alone. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the spirit, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In all four New Testament Gospels, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is recorded. We are in the Gospel of Matthew, a disciple of the Lord Jesus who wrote this Gospel some 25 years after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here in Matthew 27, we are looking at verses 32 through 44. And Matthew records how Jesus was led to Calvary and crucified between two robbers. The people walking by were shaking their heads at the Lord and deriding him. They were mockingly telling the Lord to come down from the cross and to save himself if he was indeed the Son of God. Dr. Mitchell brings out the sinlessness of the Son of God and that our Lord was a willing, innocent substitute for your sin and mine. Trust him to take your sins away as I have mine. 
on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Here is Dr. Mitchell, Matthew chapter 27, verses 32 through 44. Thank you. Again, we come to you with the verse-by-verse exposition of the book of Matthew. But in chapter 27, we have been dealing with the, with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, the passion of the King, in chapters 26 and 27. We've taken up the fact that the Jews crucified one who claimed to be God. And the Gentiles, through Pilate, crucified one in whom they found no fault. As I have said before, and I repeat it, both Jew and Gentile are equally guilty of the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And now we come to verse uh, 32 of Matthew chapter 27. And I would like to read to you the, the account given to us in Matthew uh, concerning the death of Jesus Christ. You remember, he'd come before Pilate, and uh, Pilate said that Jesus Christ was without fault. They ca- he called him a just person, and yet he scourged Jesus and delivered him up to be crucified. And you remember the soldiers, how they mocked Jesus, put a crown of thorns on his head, robed him in a scarlet robe, put a reed in his hand. They bowed the knee in mockery and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they spit in his face, and they beat him on the head with the reed, and so on. And then they led him out to be crucified, starting in verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. And they said over his head in his accusation, written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him, and with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let him alone. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, 
yielded up the spirit, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Let me just stop there for a few moments. Notice, please, between verses 33 to 38, we have our Lord crucified. Now, if you want to do the, take the time to read, for example, Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 23, or you read John's gospel, chapter 19, you get some more detail concerning the crucifixion of our Savior. You see, our Savior must be crucified. I want to say just two, a few things about this. Our Lord must be crucified because the only way he's going to deliver you and me from the curse of a broken law is to become an accursed thing. If Jesus Christ bore our sins, if he bore my sins and your sins, because we were the ones who had rebelled against God, we were the sinners, then he must satisfy the holy law of God. And it says over in Galatians chapter 3, 13, back chapter 3, verses 10 and 13, especially verse 13, where it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. See, the book says, Cursed is everyone who continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Our Savior must be crucified. He must become an accursed thing in order that you and I might be delivered from the curse of a broken law. That's why when you come to chapter 4 of Galatians, about verses 4 through 6 or 7, where it says, In the fullness of time God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those, set free those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. In John chapter 3, verse 14, you remember our Lord said to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I would suggest those of you who love Bible study to read the 22nd Psalm, the 69th Psalm, Isaiah chapter 50, Isaiah 52, Isaiah 53. Now, when you take these passages which I've just mentioned, you'll find that every detail of the prophecy concerning the sufferings and death of Jesus Christ were fulfilled right to the last inch. One can't help reading the 22nd Psalm and the 69th Psalm and Isaiah 50 where it says, he gave his back to the smiters. He gave his cheeks to those who plucked off the hair. He hid not his face from shame or spitting. Yet he that justifieth me shall stand by me. You remember the soldiers did this in the preceding part of the chapter we had in our last lesson. The soldiers mocked him. They scourged him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him up. They spit in his face. They mocked him in and said, Hail, King of the Jews. Their contempt for Jesus. Do you ever think of it? Do you ever think of it? No wonder in Paul writing to the Corinthian church says in chapter, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Had they known it, pardon me, it's chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
No, no word of any man can begin to express uh, this experience of the Savior at the cross. We go by what God has given to us in his word. And remember when the prophets in the 22nd and 20 and the 69th Psalm, and when Isaiah spoke in Isaiah 50, which I've just quoted, they knew nothing of crucifixion. They knew nothing of this sort of punishment. They were prophesying a thousand years B.C. that when Messiah came, he would be betrayed by a friend and he would be crucified. And what you have in the 22nd Psalm and the 69th Psalm and Isaiah 50 is a picture of one being crucified, the experience of one crucified. Or you take Isaiah chapter 52, do you remember what it says? His face was marred more than any man's. So one is not surprised when we come to the 53rd of Isaiah, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised. He was rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. For his stripes we are healed, and all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him all our iniquity. And friend, when you, your sins and my sins were laid on Jesus, he became an accursed thing. Now he knew that. For at the beginning of Matthew chapter 26, he said, Two days will be the Passover and the Son of Man to be crucified. And he knew what the whole thing was going to be. He knew the word of God, and he knew what he was going to go through. I am not surprised in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried out, Father, if it's possible, oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. My Christian friend, may I just say a word to you today? What does the cross of Christ mean to you? You know, sometimes we Christians, and I say it with a great deal of sadness, I include myself, how we have failed to appreciate the work of Christ, that he died for you and he died for me. I remember dear old Peter McFarlane of the Union Gospel Mission in St. Paul, Minnesota, telling me about a mutual friend of ours up in Canada who worked in a mission up there who'd been delivered out of a life of alcoholism. And I said, Peter, do you, do you remember John? He said, I sure do. And he said, you know... John never got over being saved. He never got away from the fact of the terrific price, the great price that Jesus Christ paid to redeem John from his sin. Have you gotten over being saved, my friend? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we Christians were to get back to that first love, that fervency of love for the Savior? You know, the, the trouble is we take these precious, precious things and we become so accustomed to them, uh, we've heard them so often, so often, that it has no more effect upon us. Indeed, we've become somewhat indifferent to what Jesus 
went through, the price he paid for your sin and my sin. Unsaved man or woman, am I talking to you? Why do you spurn such a Savior? He was sinless. He was righteous. They found no fault in him. If the wages of sin is death, why did he die? In John 8, 48, he says, Which one of you? And he challenged his enemies when he said, Which one of you convinceth me of sin? And believe me, if they could have found one sin in Jesus, they would have jumped on Jesus like a ton of bricks. No. Why did he die? Dear Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20, he, he loved me and gave himself for me. And as 1 Peter 3.18 says, he that just died for the unjust. Or in Galatians 1.4, he gave himself for our sins. Or 1 Peter 2.22, he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. Hebrews 9.26, I read that he appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 1 John 3.5 says, you know he was manifested, what for? To take away our sin, and in him is no sin. And there they crucified him. He became an accursed thing because of you and me. Now then, what happened? In verses 39 to 44, we have the king reviled. And you notice there are three groups here that scorn Jesus. You have the religious leaders. Their crime is against God. You have the soldiers. Their crime is against man. And then you have the criminals casting the same scorn into his, into his teeth. And their crime is against themselves. You know, when I think of these, these people, I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus could not save himself for three reasons. You remember this said here? If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. We'll believe you. Uh, if he's the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross. We'll believe him. He trusted in God that God would deliver him. If you really are what you claim to be, the son of God, you don't have to hang on the cross as an accursed thing. You don't have to die as a criminal dies. For when our Lord was nailed on the center cross, he was crucified as the criminal. He was taking the place of Barabbas. Barabbas was the one who should have died. You and I are the ones who should have died because of sin. And if Paul could say, who loved me and gave himself for me, I'm sure Barabbas could have said, if he was in the crowd, he, he's dying for me. He's dying in my stead. I'm the fellow who should be on the center cross. I was the vilest of the vile down there in the dungeon. If anybody should have been crucified, it was me. He took my place. Why, why couldn't he save himself? My friend, for three reasons. One is the scriptures must be fulfilled. Psalm 22, Psalm 69, Isaiah 50, 52 and 53 must be fulfilled because these were prophesied concerning the Messiah. And he must die by crucifixion, not by stoning, not by having his head cut off. 
He must die on a cross. You see, this was the vilest death one could die. To be crucified was a terrible, terrible thing. You know, you and I don't appreciate this. You remember Celsus, the Roman historian, said, to scourge a Roman, in fact, to scourge anyone is a nefarious thing. But what shall I say of one crucified? Let not even his name be mentioned. And as far as I know from the history of Rome, there's no record of a Roman being crucified. Crucifixion was reserved for the vilest of the vile, reserved for slaves. When Jesus died on the cross, and remember he was sold for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. And he died as the ark, as the greatest criminal of the three. And he suffered more than any man, and his face was marred more than any man. Having given his back to the smiters and his cheeks to those who plucked off the hair, he hid not his face from shame or spitting. But the Lord was with him. And you know, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. He had to die by crucifixion. Notice the next thing. The, third, the second thing. His mission must be fulfilled. The purpose of God for his son must be fulfilled. Sin is in the universe. Sin is in the human family. It must be put away. And wherever there is sin and rebellion and failure, there's only one who can make it right, and that's Christ. The righteous character of God must be maintained. The law of God, the throne of God, must be maintained. And when Christ died, he died to satisfy the righteous character of God. My friend, this is the teaching of Romans, you remember, chapter 3, 21 to 31. Can I just stop there today? I want this clear in your mind. He died for you. You and I were so wicked, so sinful, so hopelessly lost, we couldn't for one minute stand in the presence of God. Jesus came and took your place and my place. He put away our sins. He died our death. And having satisfied the righteous character of God, can I put it this way? He freed God to do something for sinners. Ah, it's a wonderful thing. And I can say to any man or woman, if you will put your trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son, I'll guarantee to you, my friend, you'll be forgiven every sin. You'll never come into judgment. Why? Because Jesus Christ bore your sin. He's borne your punishment. He's borne the wrath of God for you and me. But I must accept him. I must accept the gracious offer of God. And as Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And this is a faithful saying, and worthy of your acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he's saying to you again today, Come unto me, and I'll give you rest, my friend. If you've never come, why don't you come today and pass from death to life and do it now. Savior say, I strength indeed is small, child of weakness watch and pray, 
trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Bye,